Welcome to Lean Agile Management Podcast, a show by Kanbanize that helps you boost work efficiency, create culture of high performance, and build teams that thrive. Welcome to the lounge. Today in the show. Listen from a place of curiosity, because that's where learning happened. Because in the long run, it's a heck of a lot quicker and cheaper. Just, just for the ones who are saying to themselves at this moment, well, of course, I'm already a good listener. I have a question for you. If you were not a good listener, how would you know? The fact is, very few people want to be miserable. And if they do, they want it at the level of they think that's the only way that they will survive. You want happy staff. It's not, you know, happy staff are, are more productive, but you become more productive as the manager because you don't have to deal with the hassles. Our special guest today is Judy Rees. She's a public speaker, trainer, and consultant, as well as a co-author of a best-selling book called Clean Language, Revealing Metaphors and Opening Minds, that teaches you a new way to communicate, which gets to the heart of things. Hi, Judy. Welcome on the show. Hello. Great to be here. So when I first heard about clean language, it was actually on this podcast. Some of our guests started mentioning it, and it got me very curious. (laughs) But then when I started researching... My curiosity grew into excitement. <laughs> so I'm really happy we can, we can have this conversation with you today. To kickstart the conversation, maybe I'd like to ask, I'd like to go back a little bit and ask, in your view, what would be the biggest management issue that you can see people are struggling with? And I am guessing since you're so tightly related with communication, it might be related. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. I, I was thinking about this question because um, you, you tipped me off about, off about it ahead of time. And of course, every management, every manager has got a different biggest problem. Um, one of the things that clean language facilitators notice is the difference between individuals. Um, but really, one of the things that is a huge challenge for management generally is the whole move from old-fashioned forms of management to new forms of management, things that are suitable for the really um, complex environments that we find ourselves in in business and, and in, in the world generally nowadays. Mm-hmm. We can't make year-long plans and year-long budgets and expect anything to to flow in anything like a predictable way. Right. I mean, things in, here in the UK, we, we think about the Brexit vote, which nobody was expecting. In America, they think about the Trump vote that I think not, you know, a lot of people didn't think was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Things that just seem to be happening that nobody is expecting. So dealing with that, um, that complexity of a world turned upside down, I think is undoubtedly the biggest challenge that um, we all face, management or whoever. I want, are you getting Dave Snowden on one of these podcasts, by the way? Um, I think we should now. <laughs> <laughs> That's my recommendation. Get Dave Snowden on here, talking about um, his, his model, um, defining complicated and complex and what you should, how you should make decisions in those two environments. Mm. Um, and his suggestion is in a complex environment, one should probe, sense, respond, try things, notice what happens, respond accordingly. Um, and I think that's a lovely place to start when thinking about clean language. Mm. Well, I love this answer. It's, it sums up a lot of things, but in a very, very pretty package. <laughs> mm. And yes, it's, it's definitely something that um, we can hear people are struggling with. And we are all, even, I love this example with Brexit and Trump. It, sh- it just shows how sometimes unpredictable the world can be or how maybe our judgment can be different. But um, making the connection to clean language itself, can we say, is, is, is there something wrong, not only about the way we think, but the way we actually communicate? Because once we have a challenge, we then have to talk it through. <laughs> and maybe there is a roadblock there already. So 
clean language connects to what I just said in a whole bunch of different ways, because clean language is at its essence a way of thinking about communication um, and a way of navigating communication which works particularly well in complex environments. It's mm -hmm. not, and one of the things about it is it's not a language that's worth saying up front. So <laughs> yeah, when I, often when I give talks about clean language, I say what clean language isn't before we start. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about not swearing. I'm not talking about speaking clearly. I'm not trying to uh, tell you that there is a language called clean, apart from there's a <laughs> software language called clean, which I've only ever met one person who used. <laughs> <laughs> wow. um, so all of that, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is a very specific precision inquiry technique that was devised by a, a guy called David Grove, who died about 10 years ago. And what he did with it was he was helping his therapy clients to explore their inner thoughts, you know, all that kind of stuff. But what he discovered was that somebody's inner thoughts, I suppose, is the, is the archetypal complex environment. Very unpredictable, lots of different things happening. Things can be disrupted very quickly. And in that environment of someone's inner thoughts, this process of asking questions with great precision to find out what it is that somebody really means by what they're saying, even when they don't know themselves, right. turned out to be really, really useful. What we're discovering nowadays is that a whole bunch of other complex situations can also benefit because all sorts of communication challenges turn up when you're in complex environments. And at one level, inter, interpersonal communication is always complex, you know, beyond the, the most extraordinarily predictable stuff, you know, really any conversation is a matter of probe, sense, respond. But in the kinds of environments we're, we're working in nowadays, there seems to be a greater degree of complexity, a greater potential for misunderstanding, a greater potential for conflict. And that's mm -hmm. where clean language comes in. Wow. Yeah. It seems like it's, it could be one of the most relevant tools for modern management <laughs> because, yeah, as you mentioned, there are so many variables and with all the multicultural environment, all the different things. And we all have, apart from everybody thinking differently, we, we now carry different cultural backgrounds and that influences how we perceive information. So for somebody who has to work with a huge team or even a small team, but a very different one, or a remote team, I'm, I'm, I think that person is right now really, their ears broke up and they're listening for what you're about to say. <laughs> I hope so, because uh, one of the places I found uh, clean language has been most beneficial has been with distributed remote teams. Mm. Um, in, in the world of uh, facilitation and uh, organizational change, which is the world I tend to move in, you get a lot of facilitators who say the only way to sort out communication problems in a remote team is to get everybody together. <laughs> well, yes, fine, on, on two levels. Yes, that's okay um, if you can do it. An awful lot of organizations, that's not realistic. You know, people, mm -hmm. uh, I worked with a, a large charity based in Geneva with uh, staff in a, a number of countries, including in Bosnia, in Ghana, and in... Uh, I've forgotten exactly where in South America. So they were across <laughs> three continents, all sorts of time zones. And it would have been a, a grave misuse of charity funds to bring their finance team, for that was who I was working with, together in Geneva for a couple of days to sort out the communications things. But also it would be wrong to do that because 
what we needed to sort out was how they communicated when they were distributed. Mm. It's all very well teaching people to talk well when they're face-to-face and they, they can smell each other. <laughs> it's a different matter to teach people to communicate effectively at distance. Where the truth is there are going to be misunderstandings. The trick is to help uh, teams and individuals to work out how to work through those kind of challenges. Mm-hmm. How do you set things up so that challenges aren't the end of the world? Challenges are just challenges. Now, a lot of the people listening to this podcast are agileists and, and they know about iterative feedback loops. Right. That's what you need. Well, we need that not only in terms of uh, task lists and, and backlogs, but also in terms of developing our what get called soft skills, our communication skills. How can we set up iterative feedback loops there as well? And uh, some of the tools in the Clean Language tool, Toolkit uh, address that very directly. Okay, so go straight on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that might be a challenge for some people though, don't you think? Because um, just as we mentioned, somebody, well, some people would be happy just, okay, I have a permission to go and say everything I think, <laughs> which I don't think what you, what you mean here. And on the other side, somebody would think, well, I need to first say three good things and then one bad and then something else. So how, how can you respond to such difference? The key is to note, you know, of course, you can go ahead and say everything you think, but that has consequences. And if you're, you know, the point is to start to notice the consequences. The big piece of learning, and when I say this out loud, it's going to sound a bit naive and silly, but the impact of this on teams is really profound. Mm -hmm. The trick is to get people to notice that the other person is not the same as they are. That does sound silly and and simplistic at one level, but basically the way human beings, this is culturally culturally universal, it happens everywhere, the way human beings navigate the world is with a basic internal assumption that other human beings are the same as us. Mm -hmm. That's the evolution, that's the way evolution sorted us out. Therefore, I think, you know, naturally my tendency will be to think that you are seeing the same world as I am. You experience the world in the same way that I do. When you hear that noise, you make it mean the same thing that I do. But the, the truth is that you are not the same as me. We're different. When you hear that noise, you will make it mean something completely different. One of the uh, activities that I do is get everybody... So everybody listening to this right now, everybody think of a tree and everybody will, you know, I'll I'll be working with a group and everybody will stick their hand up, you know, they'll say, Oh, I'll go, what kind of tree is your tree? And somebody will say an oak tree and somebody will say an ash tree and somebody will say a sycamore tree, different kinds of trees, an apple tree and so on and so on. And eventually you'll get two people who've got the same. Oh, I got an apple tree as well. Mine's the same as his. And then I ask, what kind of apple tree is your apple tree? And the first person will go, well, it's a, it's a big old apple tree covered in fruit. Mm-hmm. I'll ask the other one, and here's a big, big old apple tree covered in fruit. What kind of apple tree is your tr- apple tree? And they might go, well, mine's a single apple tree, quite a, a small one on a, on a very productive orchard. <laughs> and as soon as you ask one or two questions about the trees, you discover they're different. Mm. Now, what, so what you end up doing is, whereas previously people have effectively been experiencing the world as a reflection of themselves. It's as if everybody's 
a mirror to me. Um, oh, and what's annoying when everybody, if you think, you know, if, if you know that everybody's the same as you are and they are doing something that you would not do, obviously they are wrong and stupid. <laughs> yeah, I can see that going very wrong. Yeah. But <laughs> once people get at quite a profound level that um, people are not the same as they are, that's when it gets really interesting. Because if the person is not the same as me, well, who the hell are they? <laughs> you don't know. And that's where clean language comes in, because clean language provides us with some tools to find out who they are and what are the unique features of this specific individual. And what is it that lies behind what they just did that was so annoying? And okay. once you can move, one, one of my clean language colleagues, Caitlin Walker, she, her book is called From Contempt to Curiosity. Mm-hmm. And that's her idea. She moved, her idea is that teams need to move from being contemptuous of each other as being stupid people that are obviously doing the wrong thing to being curious about each other, just fascinated about who these amazing people are that I've got the good fortune to be working with. I think that idea of a journey from contempt to curiosity is quite profound. Oh, yes. And it sounds like this could be one thing that turns people from a group of people into a true team that mm. wants to work together, that's passionate about the work they have to do. And um, maybe for some people who are not as imaginative as us, could we, could we connect it to business examples? So, um, because somebody would say, okay, I, I don't really want to learn about the other person. Why should I? I mean, they just didn't listen to me. I told them, do this. And they didn't. I, I don't care. <laughs> Why should I learn who they are and what their internal world looks like? Um, what, what would you respond if somebody said that? Because in the long run, it's a heck of a lot quicker and cheaper <laughs> than doing it the other way. So a couple of examples that I love. Um, I did an interview a, a few weeks ago with a guy who runs teams of environmental engineers going out to Antarctica. Mm. And he, um, he used, they go out for a season. They, they, their thing is to clean up oil spills. In, in the frozen wastes of Antarctica, and apparently a very specialized job. A mixture of engineers and researchers go out every summer for a, a short season. Used to be everybody came back from their season vowing never again. I am not going to be cooped up on a field station with 50 people who I don't know. I don't want anything to do with it ever again. And of course, you'd have to recruit afresh every season. Mm-hmm. Then a couple of years ago, he started doing clean language work with the team before they went out so that they understood how each other worked at their best and what was necessary for each of them to work at their best. Mm. Now, at the end of the season, he gets people saying, sign me up for next year. (laughs) Wow. If you think about the cost of recruiting 50 specialists every year, and then that cost goes away, not only does the cost go away, but also you've got a bunch of happy people. Now, happy people are much, much, much easier to manage than stressed ones. Um, so any manager who's listening, that, listening to this, um, if you want a quiet life, you want happy staff. It's not, you know, happy staff are, are more productive, but you become more productive as the manager because you don't have to deal with the hassles. Um, another friend and colleague, Julie McCracken, uses this stuff with uh, primary age children. And she finds it particularly useful to get um, the kids uh, sorting their own squabbles out. You know, when children come up to the teacher in the playground going, miss, miss, he's, he's stolen my ball or whatever it might be. She will use clean language to get these children to sort out their own disputes. <laughs> and again, making her life a whole lot easier. Another um, 
business example that uh, might be illustrative. Um, but it isn't a business example. It's an educational example. Mm-hmm. It's from, a gr- again, it's Caitlin Walker. She was working with a group of students at a single department, the sports science department at Liverpool John Moores University in the UK. They were sort of, middle, you know, not particularly inspiring department. Their successes wasn't, weren't huge. And they, they used to get, I think it was 48% of their students through the qualification to a reasonable level. Over the three years that Caitlin worked with them, that increased to 75%. Wow. Because the groups of students were working together to help each other pass the exams and, and do what was necessary to get the qualification. One group of nine students ended up all getting the top grade of exam. Oh, wow. And that kind of result of creating a real learning team, a team where it's inevitable that people learn from their mistakes, people learn from each other, people support each other. Putting that kind of uh, muscle into a business context produces profit. Mm. It can't not. Yeah. When you get a team that's actually like this analogy with the muscle, it's, it's like the thing that protects the heart. Heart is the muscle itself, but there is another one external layer that without it, it wouldn't be able to do its vital functions. Nice Uh, metaphor. I I want to ask you questions about it. So you mentioned, I think that, um, like a protective muscle around the heart, the heart is also a muscle, a protective muscle. Mm -hmm. Is, Is there anything else about that? Um, well, the first thing I think about is that they, they beat in, in sync. They're synchronized. They cannot do it apart independently of each other. Mm-hmm. And it's, it has to be smooth, but it also has to be flexible. Mm-hmm. Smooth and flexible. And they beat synchronized with each other. Mm-hmm. What kind of smooth? <laughs> Well, muscles contain fibers, so mm-hmm. it cannot be 100% smooth, but all fibers have to be blending into each other. The, the edges cannot be rough, mm-hmm. or it will actually damage both fibers and the whole thing altogether. Mm-hmm. And that muscle, does it have a shape or a size? Hmm. Well, it's definitely larger than the, the heart inside because it, it shouldn't be pressing too tight or be too loose. Mm-hmm. And when it's like that, then what happens? Then it's just harmonious. What kind of harmonious? Um, it's when things can be flowing without rush, but at the same time, it doesn't mean it's lazy. Mm-hmm. So nothing is speeding up unnecessarily, but it doesn't mean the productivity decreases. Mm-hmm. Like um, a healthy heart, it beats all the time. It doesn't stop. But going faster doesn't mean the, the person who has that heart will get healthier. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Is that an okay place to stop that? <laughs> yeah. Because it that made was... me think about what I, what I just said. <laughs> so that was just a very quick demonstration of the kind of stuff that you can find out when you listen and ask a few questions. Mm. Now, I'm curious, did you know 
the answers to those questions before we started this conversation? Oh, for sure not. I couldn't think of the questions themselves. <laughs> mm -hmm. So this is just a really tiny demonstration of how you can use listening, paying attention, asking clean language questions to help someone else find out about something they didn't previously know about mm. and explore their own thinking. And right now, I can't even remember what that was a metaphor for. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but the point is that we've just used it to illustrate how much more information there is enclosed within a metaphor mm. than what you initially think. Because my guess is that the pe when people first heard this idea of a, a, a heart enclosed in another muscle, everybody probably had their own idea of how that was and how it worked. Mm. And the details will have been different to yours. So that, that was just a very quick demonstration of how, how one could do this stuff. By now, I think anyone who's been listening so far, they get extremely excited, like I did when I was researching into the clean language. But now they're probably asking, okay, how, how can I do this? How can I get this team to, to become that, what you've just described? Because I hear what you're saying, but the people I'm working with are just so different. <laughs> so how, how could we illustrate maybe <laughs> to somebody who's listening, how can they achieve all these amazing outcomes with the team they have? Well, I'd love to be able to teach it all in 10 minutes. It's you know, I, I wouldn't be a trainer. I wouldn't be writing books. I wouldn't be recording online courses if I thought I could deliver the whole thing in one side of A4, you know, in a 10-minute talk. Um, I can't. It is more complicated than I can explain in 10 minutes. However, some of the bits are really, really simple. So anybody listening to this could do that activity that I just described about everybody think of a tree and ask, what kind of tree is your tree? Everybody there. And then ask again, what kind of, what kind of? and just listen to what they say. The number one thing in clean language is not, I mean, one of the things in clean language that you'll see all over the internet when you look it up is that it's a questioning technique. There are a set of simple questions you can use. But much more than that, clean language is a listening technique. Mm. It's a way of turning on your ears to what people are actually saying, paying attention, noticing, um, David Grove, the, the guy who invented clean language, um, had a quote to the effect that um, I'm listening for what needs to be true for what I've heard to make sense. <laughs> so he's, he's putting together a sort of mental model, mental diagram of how this person must be thinking in order for what they say to make sense. And I think once you as a manager start turning your ears on to that kind of thing, start noticing what kind of ways are they describing their world and notice when something sounds a bit surprising, a bit unusual. And then don't jump to a conclusion, but ask a question. And the best question, in my opinion, to ask is always, what kind of? And then insert whatever word they just used. So if somebody's just told you um, it's like a muscle, a protective muscle around the heart, ask, what kind of protective muscle? <laughs> and find out what a little bit more about what they mean. Get yourself into that state of curiosity and non-judgment and notice more. Now, that's sort of the, that's the core piece of clean language. There are lots, you know, there, 
around that, there, there are questions, there are listening activities, there are a little micro models. For example, there's uh, a thing called one minute motivation. There's another one called the clean feedback model. They're just little patterns of questioning that can help you get direct people's attention in quite specific ways. Um, mm. It's one of the things that really clean language does is direct people's attention. So when you ask a question, you ask it for a purpose. You ask it to find out something new. You ask it to help them find out something new. And when you use it really effectively, they learn stuff, you learn stuff, and the world learns stuff. Because And the kind of people who are going to be listening to this kind of pod, pod, podcast are in the innovation, in the creative, in the... Um, the amazing spaces that are changing the world. The kind of people who need to get their hands on these tools are the kind of people who can make the most difference with them. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry, that's a long answer to a short question. But, but what a beautiful answer. It got me, I just stayed there marveling at it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a wonderful answer. Um, and actually mentioned something that probably caught attention of many people as well, because you've mentioned one of the other elements, which was about feedback. So even though it's probably a whole topic of its own, and I'm sure we could we could talk for a whole five more episodes about just that, could you could you give us a little teaser of what's what's inside of that? Well, again, this is an innovation of Caitlin's Caitlin Walker's, um, and it, it's a bigger model. There's all sorts of things uh, around it, but the, the the little nugget, the the nuggety bit, bit, the most high value piece, which you can include within any other way of um, giving anybody feedback. Firstly, is to separate out the, the evidence, so what you saw or heard, from the inference, that is the meaning that you made from that, and then you can hang anything else around it. What do I mean by this? So um, I could say something like, uh, when I saw that you were already online three minutes ahead of the start of the, our scheduled start of our conversation, the meaning I made from that was that you must be really stressed and thought that everything was going to go horribly wrong. Or, I go, right, when I saw that you were online three minutes before the scheduled start of our call, the meaning I made from that was that you were, like me, someone who liked to be prompt, liked to be prepared, and that you were really well organized. The same evidence, different inference. So by saying out loud what inference you made, what meaning you made, it, it basically opens your thinking to the other person. They can see where you got that from. Mm. Now, if you drop that little, whatever feedback model you use, even if it's something as simple as a uh, uh, feedback sandwich or something as complex or as intricate as nonviolent communication, add that piece to it and it will really make a difference. Mm. Yeah, I think building building our world on top of assumptions that we made on top of our own way of thinking is one of the most unreliable structures we can build. Mm. I think it would be interesting to put one specific kind of team issue mm -hmm. and go from from there and think how how can it be solved using that. So let's say we have a a person on the team who would reject any kind of feedback. They might be on paper part of the team, but they would be acting rebellious. And the, the team doesn't understand what's happening and the, the higher leadership doesn't know what to do. 
how can somebody start a conversation with a person who is obviously causing trouble to the team? How can they get to productive thing? Because they will say, okay, imagine a tree. And they would say, sorry, no. <laughs> yeah, so in that instance, I, I, I wouldn't start with the tree thing. Um, <laughs> in that instance, I would start with being curious and listening and paying attention to the person I wanted to find out about. Mm. That's the, the question is, what is it that, what has to be true for what this guy is doing to make sense? because the fact that you're thinking, well, he's just being difficult, he's just behaving bizarrely, that means that you don't know what that thing is that um, will make it make sense. Mm -hmm. Once you know, it will make sense. So what I would recommend is curiosity and curiosity in abundance. Find out how he sees the world or experiences the world what is it that's going on for him? And the way I would probably start would be to listen to him. Now, that might just be listening to him, paying attention to what are the words and the metaphors that he's using in relation to his work and to the team and to the relationships. And you might notice that he always refers to the team as them, not us, for example. Right. Now, when he does that, he's not necessarily just doing that to piss you off. It may be that that's how he sees it. And there could be all sorts of explanations for that. Um, I was coaching somebody not long ago who probably was this character. And <laughs> it gradually emerged that he did not think that he was a member of the team. His understanding of the way the relationship worked was different to that. If he was to draw a diagram of himself and the team, he would have put the team in a, in a circle and himself somewhere different. And that can be a really, really interesting exercise. Literally get a post-it note and say, say to all the members of the, the group, draw yourself and your team, draw yourself and the team <laughs> and see what kind of patterns people come up with. One of the, another way of doing it is to, it's a bit old fashioned nowadays because people don't have pockets full of change in the way they used to. But uh, a few years ago, I used to always get everybody to get the change out of their pocket and use the coins to represent themselves and the, and the other members of the team. And of course, everybody's diagram would be different. Of course. And you can get somebody to, and you can get them asking questions about each other's diagrams, whether they're made of coins or just drawn on a post-it note. Oh, I noticed that you've drawn us over here and yourself over there. How, how does that work? Uh, and look, she's drawn everybody, including you, in one circle. What, you know, what are you noticing? What, 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 what sense is everybody making of this? Mm. And that can enable everybody to open up a discussion about how they see themselves in relation to the team. If you're doing it in a group or if you're doing it in a one to one session, you can you can start talking about, uh, you know, this is how he sees it. This is how you see it. It's a bit difficult. if you, you don't really want to be pulling out the organization charts at this point because organization charts, everybody knows that organization charts are fiction. What we're talking about is what is the practical arrangement of people and teams that you're, you're wanting to to create. Now, once you get the person talking, you can, dis you can discover what's going on. All sorts of things might be going on. He might believe that he's not supposed to be a member of the team. He might believe that he works better when he's a bit separate from the team. He might have a personal issue with one member of the team. He might be passionately in love with one of the women in the team, but want to keep his distance. Who knows? Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think the, the key point is that we have no right to jump to conclusions until we actually know, because it's very easy to say, oh, this person is just a rebel. 
or just toxic or they don't want to be part of this. But why not just give the chance yourself and that person to learn what's truly going on? Mm. The fact is very few people want to be miserable. And if they do, they want it at the level of they think that's the only way that they will survive. Mm. That somehow they're doing the miserable in order to protect themselves. Yeah. It's 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 simply not the case that that there are millions millions of people running around the teams of this world um, trying to be difficult. Yeah, after all, we all want the best for ourselves, at least, if not for others. Yeah. So, um, the key is in learning what exactly is that thing that people are looking for. How, how do they see themselves happy? I think so. And. Um, as we're getting close to the to the end, unfortunately, of, of this episode, could I ask, which I think actually you have answered in different ways, but um, what would be the one single most important piece of advice you could give to people who are thinking about how they communicate, who are thinking about using methods and clean language or this feedback method, all, all sorts of tools? What would be the most important thing to consider when they think about their communication style? to think about the quality of their listening. Listen from a place of curiosity, because that's where learning happened, happens. Um, my, one of my favorite quotes uh, is, a good listener is not only popular everywhere, after a while, he gets to know something. <laughs> you know, when we listen with an attitude of curiosity, we really start to find stuff out. Um, and just just for the ones who are saying to themselves at this moment, well, of course, I'm already a good listener. I have a question for you. If you were not a good listener, how would you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say, I, I know I could become, I, I used to brand myself as x-ray listener. Um, and I, I think I am quite a good listener, but I also know that I can be a better listener. I know that I can be even more curious. I know that I can slow down and be more fascinated by the people I meet. And when I do that, I learn stuff. I have more fun. I have a deeper connection with the other people. And we all do something more creative as a result. That's, that sounds inspiring. I think I'm saying this too much in this podcast, but uh, if I don't know what, what <laughs> if somebody's listening to this and they did not feel any urge to do something, to change something in their life, I'm not sure what would. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, well, maybe that, that's the thing. Nobody, we're all fine as we are. Mm. Nobody has to change anything. But if, I, if I've inspired some people to be more curious, more excited, more interested in the other human beings in the world, then I'll be, I'll be very pleased with that result. And that actually connects us to some of the core principles of Agile and Lean World, which are start from where you're at. You don't have to become a whole different company to become successful. Maybe not right on. Mm. Just you have the people, you have the processes, you have everything you need. Just, just use it to the best of your ability and make the best of your ability something more every time. So, mm. and yeah, that, that makes a direct connection to continuous learning, continuous improvement, making the most of all the value that we have and we produce. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's inspiring. <laughs> Uh, well, um, thank you very much for, for this 
time that you spent with us and for the curiosity that you probably sparked in, in so many of us. And I hope we get another chance to maybe go over a few more golden nuggets of communication. You're welcome. Thank you very much indeed. The Lamp is brought to you by Kanbanize, the leading Kanban software for lean management. Learn more at Kanbanize.com. If you're watching us on YouTube, leave us a like. And if you're listening on iTunes, feel free to leave us a review. We really appreciate that. Thanks for joining us and see you here next time.